0: The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast.
1: amazing it's amazing because it's like it's like baseball and hockey are weird where you see all these fathers and sons yeah like playing you really do you know? i mean obviously for with like baseball now it's like you got the blue jays alone it's it's it feels so weird because it's like oh these are the same guys you idolized as a kid right yeah biggio Bichette. I mean, I remember my best friend growing up was a huge Dante Bichette fan, which is hilarious because it's like Rochester, New York. How many Colorado Rocky games do you think we see on TV? Right, right. You know, and especially since it's like, you know, you're going to be, I mean, that was when the Yankees would have been on MSG. So it's like the Yankees aren't playing them then. You know, we're a couple years removed before we even have interleague play. Yeah. But ah uh, Vlad Guerrero. It's going to be interesting. You know what's going to be funny? It's going to be interesting to see how Vlad Guerrero Jr. does this year. You talk about how like how much weight he cut. I, I hope he has a big year because my god, him and Tatis are probably the two of the most fun players to watch in this league.
0: Oh, you know what's cool is uh last May I had Dan Shulman on. He came on. You yeah. know what's really funny about that was great.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I I gotta interrupt you, man. Like oh, you're good. He was great. He was great when he was on ESPN things. I know people on Twitter would just drag him, but I'm like, really? He's not an excitable guy. It's Dan Shulman. Like he's. He's very like like I just love his delivery. He I do underappreciated. Too. That's the thing. Underappreciated. I, I really
0: yeah. So I really like I like Dan. So uh, it was funny. I so I listen to ESPN Chicago all the time. Probably a shocker, but no. But um, I would
1: never have guessed that.
0: And uh, <laughs> and uh, so it was funny because I've had a lot of those guys on the on the pod, which is really cool. But. Uh, I remember one day Dan Shulman was on. I was like, right then, I was like, man, it'd be cool to get Dan Shulman on. I'm gonna just add him on Twitter. So I did. And that day, he was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, all right, cool. Like that just happened. Like adding people (laughs) on Twitter that happens occasionally. If I can't, I love those
1: people who are like that though.
0: And I was just like, man, it'd be so cool. And I'd already had like Randy Merkin is like the station. I think he's at the program director there of that station. So he's got a lot of great stories just from all the people he's got in the book and talk with. But I was like, yeah, this is really cool. So anyway, had him on and I knew he did Blue Jays games, which I didn't know. I I knew him from ESPN primarily, but I I realized a couple of years ago he did Blue Jays games. That's part of why he left Sunday Night Baseball was he went to go back home and all that. But um, I asked him about the Blue Jays. I was like going into 20, of course. I was like, you know, assuming we have a season and all that talk about the excitement and the buzz, but now it's like the Blue Jays, I think they're definitely on one of those exciting teams now, at least as far as all the players, all the prospects they've got.
1: I, I love the fact that, I mean, at least that they're t- they're going for it. Yeah, I exactly. mean, especially in that division. I mean, Christ. I mean, Boston is doing whatever their reload is. And obviously the Yankees are going to be stacked. And Tampa, despite losing Snell, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, they're, they're just going to be doing that whole thing where they're just going to keep bringing up guys, working them through the system. I mean, at least with cash as, as manager, you you get that feeling that he's doing a great job building a, building an environment there, which is the one saving grace about it. I mean, it's for one thing when you see teams like Pittsburgh, just be like, all right, we're not ever going to pick up free agents. We're just going to trade for veteran arms and develop guys. And then, you know, once they're like McCutcheon and they're on the back end of their contract, we'll get rid of them for more prospects. And, it's kind of hard to get excited for that but at least you know at least with tampa they're trying to be competitive about it
0: no i was just gonna say what's crazy about the mccutcheon trade was uh they actually traded one of the players they traded was brian reynolds and i got to know him in augusta and for like the few weeks he was there he came up like buzzed through the, the green jackets and went up to san jose and now of course he's a very good hitter with the Pirates, but I was like, I mean, this God, kid, the way he
1: can swing. I saw him hitting this in Augusta. a gun.
0: He did one of these, uh, we had to do one of these promo things and I got to do it. I have the picture of it where I'm having him hold up this sign. I don't even remember what it was now, but it was just funny. I'm like, I remember him and now he's a star in major league baseball. Now,
1: like when you were there interning, like you, not to say that you necessarily saw a major league star, who was probably like, who was one of those guys that you saw play? You're like, Oh, this dude can definitely play in the show.
0: Think about this. I saw the Rome Braves with Acuna, Freed, pretty much everybody on the team now. And I was late to realize who they were and exactly how great they were going to be. So I should have said, with those guys right then. But honestly, the big, so some of the players that we had, Or at least that I saw, like we actually had, you know, like Bickford and Lucius Fox. Those are the names I kept hearing about. And of course, Lucius Fox goes to, I think he's with the Royals now. So we had Miguel Gomez on the team, but he was a really cool kid. And he ended up getting up to the, the Giants and he was one of Bochy's like hot, you know, pinch hit type guys. I don't I think he's like in a Mexico league now. I thought, you know, he ended up getting called up to like San Jose, and sure enough, he was with the Giants in September, but or maybe it was the next year actually. But I was like, this is cool because he was a really cool kid. Um, but I mean I didn't know if he would stick around as a star. But yeah, really, I think really it was those Rome Braves teams that had these guys that I'm like, holy crap, I just saw like major league players, you know. In Rome, three or four years ago, and now Acuna is making 100 mil, and Freed's on the in the rotation. But the funny thing is, Rome was terrible in the first half, and then they won the championship in the second half. One of the things, if I wasn't doing the photography, a, a couple times we had this thing called baseball bingo, which of course is a fan thing in the middle of games, and these people take it seriously. I was kind of lagging behind and not being, you know, it was, it was annoying because I, I was in the I was up in the booth, and I'd be like, "Oh, this happened. Hey, uh, ticket person, uh, this happened." I remember this one lady on social media was like not happy. She's like, my dad loves bingo and this was not done. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh my God, chill out. It's freaking single a baseball. But, uh, I know it's bingo at a fucking single a game. Like, what do you expect? Jesus. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I, uh, so one there was there, they told me like, cause we didn't have a radio home radio broadcast. So if the, when the away team came in, they would do radio. They do now. But, um, they were like, hey, try to get on the radio if you can. I'm like, all right. So uh I remember I kind of gave up on the bingo like in the middle of the game or late of the game or whatever. And I turned off my walkie talkie and I I told the Asheville guy, I'm like, hey, if I can come on, let me come on. And you know, he was talking to me and oh my God. So I've gotten a lot, I'm not I mean, I am not a pro at any even now, I'm no pro at podcasting, but I've picked up some things. Yeah, gotten better as I refine what I'm trying to say and all that. Listening to myself, <laughs> listening to myself on the radio back then, oh my god, it was cringeworthy, but it was fine. And then uh, it was like an. Happening. It's all right.
1: I mean, I I did that for so many years. I hate listening to my voice. I absolutely.
0: Abhor. that's why i hate editing i hate listening to my voice i well it's really funny because back then that was exactly the case i listened to it and of course and it was funny though because they're they're trying to get me on the walkie-talkie for the bingo but i turned it off and then i told them like i'm so sorry i went on the radio and they're like oh whatever and they wanted to hear it all so of course the next day we were at our meeting and i was playing Ugh. and i was like oh god but i was kind of excited because i was like this is kind of funny but it was kind of cringeworthy. But I also did my first actual interview was with Jalen Miller, who just got traded to the Braves, I think. So he's still going to be local, kind of, but because he's from Georgia anyway. But um, but I remember he was like my... Or no, Miller, but also Paré, were two guys that I interviewed. And I remember with the Paré interview, um, I, listening to myself, was just so cringeworthy after the fact. But now... I listen to myself all the time. and It's not cringeworthy anymore. I'm so used to it. The only time I had a cringeworthy moment was, you, you, you know, Jessica Kleinschmidt, right? She does. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had her on and that was the only podcast I have done, I think, in which I've listened to it and I was like, oh my God, I talked her ear off. I was so, in- I was probably so annoying and blah, blah, blah. I cut out a lot of what I said. I was like, holy shit. I talked to her. I was got, oh my God. I was cringeworthy, feeling the feeling, the cringeworthiness for myself. She was fantastic, and I cut out my crap, and it was fu- it was awesome. But in you know, I listen to myself now, and I'm like, all right, I'm totally used to this. I don't have any cringeworthy, but uh, I used to hate it too. In Richmond, so Ryan Vocal song was in town. The rehab and the Giants. It was 13, so the Giants just won it all in 12, and um, and uh, he was in the room after the game. Just chatting and drinking beers with the, like the staff and stuff, and then Kevin Nash, the wrestler, was also in town for like the game or whatever. So he was <laughs> telling stories. Him and uh, Vogel Song were in the room at the same time, so that was cool. And then Kevin Nash, God, that had to be awesome. Kevin Nash was—I um, don't remember all the stories, but I do remember we—he drank like a—he drank like ten Bud Light limes. So we 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 nicknamed or we renamed the Bud Light limes the Kevin Nashes. But Nash, uh. And yeah, I I made, I was fanboying over, (laughs) fanboying over like Vogel's song. I was like, that's Ryan Vogel's song. And like, you know, he was like, he was like a good. You may remember him from the
1: 2010 World Series. Right.
0: right. And I'm like, I got to make my, I kind of made my way over to him just to be like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. uh, I knew you guys were going to win. I I was being serious, but I was like, I knew you guys were going to win when you took out St. Louis the way you guys did. And he's like, yeah, yeah. It was just like small talk, but. It was funny. God, that that I, was a
1: great series. Oh
0: yeah, I, those Giants Cardinals series were. Fun. I just remember there was like one game where it was like raining so bad in San Francisco and the Giants won. The, I think they won the pennant that day. But um, yeah, they had some good back and forth series. I kind of want to get your thing. Like, what's your take on the Cubs this year? Like, it's it was kind of a weird off season, wasn't it? Oh yeah. So it's funny not to not to take you too far down this path, but in just kind of in general, I've had this sort of benefit of the doubt mantra with the Cubs. i mean with any team that wins you know of course after 16 17 you know 17 was kind of whatever the nlcs you know not many teams repeat but then you go into 18 and it's like all right they sound they're like they're focused, they're ready to roll they got darvish madden said this is his best rotation so it's high expectations once again these guys have been here but then going into 19 it was like all right something's not right going into 20 okay it's time for a retool well, i thought
1: well i mean especially just the whole darvis thing i was yeah. like really
0: yeah i mean really it, it was like it was like okay i was like let's do a retool i was thinking night i was thinking uh 2016 yankees retool not a rebuild but like a quick retool on the fly look at them now that's what i was thinking with the cubs well, i mean you 19. have to i mean let's be
1: realistic yeah. you have to i mean not everyone's gonna stay and you gotta like figure out like because that's why i said like like I can understand, like moving guys like Schwarber and then replacing him with another corner guy like Peterson. Which, I mean, I like it because I mean, you know, he he's not perfect, but it's like, come on, like guys like Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant are essentially your core. Yeah, you got to keep these kind of guys,
0: and, and even like Contreras. I mean, it's so in nineteen, I was like, this team is just not right, and. We're, we keep saying it. We're waiting for these guys to hit, and then they don't hit, and it's like they're too good not to hit. Maybe, maybe, maybe the sixteen team was just an anomaly, but these guys are still stars. They're still good. All this, so I was like, all right, let's just let's just start retooling this thing. But of course, they got Castellanos, which was, was great, but they didn't keep them. And so, um, so going into twenty, I was like, yeah, they're probably a playoff team, but I don't know. They have a new manager. I was, I was. I, I liked Madden. I was one of those that liked Madden. A lot of people are like, "Oh, Madden cost them this, did that, blah blah blah." And- I never, I never got that. Like, I never got that because I'm being
1: uh. outside the Chicago shell. Like, like to me, I always looked at Madden as like Madden gets it. He yeah. knows how to adapt. Right. He he does a good job making the clubhouse seem light. I exactly. mean, because I couldn't imagine that th- the reason they were failing was because of
0: because of chemistry in the clubhouse, it felt like as if they just couldn't get the right tools. See, and I think a lot of people would say, it, it, it's funny because Madden helped win a World Series there, but these days it's split. It's either I love Madden or, well, he cost them in Game 7, or, uh, oh, well... But- one of the things is he would always bat, like, Albert Amora leadoff and stuff like that. So now he's on the Mets. I don't think he'll be leading off with the Mets, but who knows. Um <laughs> No, he, he, did have, he definitely won't be. Madden had some questionable things here and there, but he was definitely a great clubhouse guy, and he could get the best out of his players and his teams. And so um I liked Madden. I did think going into 20, I was like, yeah, or 19, rather. I was like, yeah, maybe... Maybe they should go in a different direction. Maybe it's kind of gone stale. But I was like, I, I I still back this. I still like Madden. So going into 20, I was like, all right, I know he's going to be gone after this 19 season's over. And I think it was just kind of time. And I wasn't sure if Ross was the guy. I kind of like, see, I like Joe Girardi. But a lot of people are like, oh, I hate Joe Girardi. He's this. I liked him back from when he was like managing New York and Miami. See, because like the, the biggest
1: complaint I always heard about Girardi was he kind of suffers a Tory complex where he doesn't know the right spot to 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 bring in guys from the bullpen, which whatever. I mean, like tory I mean, let's be honest, Tori benefited from the fact that he had, without a doubt, the greatest reliever that will ever play in this freaking game. And it's like, I think with Girardi. I thought he did a great job, but, I mean, I can understand why he wouldn't last forever in New York.
0: I mean, right. let's be honest. The expectations are so unreal. He did so bad. well with some bad teams, too. I mean – Well, I mean, Christ,
1: I mean, you talk about – Yeah, you are just talking about the Marlins. I mean, that was a team that pretty much left for dead, and he got screwed over so bad by, like, front office that was unwilling because they wanted to go cheap. It's like if you give Girardi the kind of options, that's why I was really hoping that it was going to work – it would work out in, like, a place like Philadelphia because I'm like – They got the tools. It still seems, for some reason, the front office is like still like screwing things up in terms of like getting the right fit, right? Which I kind of hope it turns the page for them, kind of like how it did for Chicago, right? That's what I kind of saw it with Philly is that they're trying to do what Chicago did when they, you know, got the youth going because they got tons of prospects there, and then like get the other pieces through the free agency. And you know, just find their are Madden like they did with Gerard. That's why I just never understood why anyone would hate on Madden. Like, not every manager is going to be perfect.
0: And that's what's so funny about Twitter is that I could it could be the minority of people that it just seems like I see split of my timeline amongst my nineteen hundred followers. Oh, or people that I follow. It's like oh, um, I like Madden. I don't like Madden. And so uh it's funny too because we're talking about a team that was just won the series a couple years ago and it's like how could anybody hate the guy that helped you win over but anyway that's how sports and fans are these days i think for the most part people like madden i think some didn't like his decisions and that carried over into their like oh i hate madden because of those but you know it, it's so when they got david ross i was like i wasn't so i was kind of intrigued i wasn't super sold but i was like i kind of like this and i think i do like it I mean, it's been one half half a year basically. But um yeah. if, if they give him a good roster, you know, that's the other half of the battle is if they give him something to work with, it might, it might be a good fit.
1: I mean, I wonder how much of that works in a way though. Like, cause like, think about it. Like, I mean, he's not too far removed from playing. So like he has a rapport and it's not like as if he was a star player. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, you got David Ross for a reason. He was a key role player. That was a reliable backup catcher. Nope. He's not a great hitter. Nope. You know, you're not getting him cause it's bad. You got him because, he does a good job stabilizing things yeah. and you almost wonder, you know, like, you know, if at some point that's going to change, I mean, especially, you know, again, talk about like they can't keep everybody around forever and he's going to lose that rapport with guys over time, unless, you know, you keep guys like Bryant, Baez and Rizzo there and Contreras there, which I, mean, I didn't, I didn't mean to neglect Contreras there. I thought, you know, I think he's a pretty damn good player, but, you know, I mean, again, not necessarily being within the the Chicago thing. I didn't know necessarily where he stood in terms of not just with the fan base, but really with where the front office is going. Because I know, like, they've had a couple other guys. Was it Karen? Was it Carantini? Carantini's gone. Just yeah. getting some time last year, and then they got. Um, don't they have another prospect?
0: Yeah, I think Amaya uh, Miguel. Amaya. Yeah, Amaya. Amaya. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, and now that Lester's gone, I feel like the like I think Ross is. I think Rizzo and Ross are like definitely like that. Not that he's not like that with everyone else, but definitely the Rizzo Ross dynamic was kind of like
1: I can see that. But I, I I also thought like I also thought it was weird the way that I mean not to, to jump in there, but I also I thought it was
0: weird the way that Chicago handled the whole Lester thing. So it felt like as if it was like kind of like up in the air. Going into this offseason, I was expecting kind of a sale. Cause I, I wasn't super shocked when Theo just up and left because I heard that rumbling about that. I didn't expect. Because I, I thought
1: that I kind of thought that too with the way that like you know there was the whole okay like like whatever with Brian and obviously Schwarber I was like okay I can see them cutting bait on Schwarber like I mean I love Schwarber but let's be realistic you can find ton of corner outfielders or replace him that you know could probably be done cheaper if you wanted to go to the. The uh, open book Mariners route to be like, well, we'll wait till somebody's available two weeks before spring training, but right? And Jock, I thought that
0: too. Yeah, I like the Jock move because it's it's not the same guy, but it's like, all right, this guy can hit, he can play the outfield. I mean,
1: he's a masher, and if you play enough games in Wrigley during the summer, I feel like if you can get a lot of benefit from him if the if it's warm enough,
0: <laughs> right? And Schwarber really did. He's he was always kind of like considered this horrible defender and he's not like a goal glover, but he really got better and he he's got, never gonna be. And and yeah, and he, he he got to the point where I thought he was giving adequate defense and he could cut guys off at home all the time. I mean that was like becoming a thing where he was just nailing. And, guys. Then, and that
1: was my thing. Cause it's like you took a kid that was a catcher and it's hard enough to tell a kid transitioning from college to the pros that you're gonna play a new position. It's impossible. Like not everyone's gonna turn out to be like Gordon out there in Kansas City where You know, he failed at third, but then he turned it into becoming a platinum fielder out in the corner because he had the tools for it. It's like, you know, Schwarber was going to take a while. I mean, you think about the weight was going to be an issue. He's learning a new position. I mean, not to mention he's playing half of his games in Chicago, right? I mean, that's not exactly easy to be adept at. I mean, Christ, look what happened with um, Boston when they moved Hanley Ramirez out to right field. Or, I mean, not to right field, left field. It's not easy. Not every single former infielder can play the green monster like Jastrzemski did. I mean, that takes a while to learn.
0: Baseball is one of those sports where I feel like, or maybe the only sport really, where it's like, it feels like you could literally just be like, oh, we're going to just put this guy out here. He can do it. And it's like, maybe he can. not <laughs> Maybe it's not that easy to just put a guy in the outfield and say, go catch this ball. Like, maybe it's not because you got, like you said, the green monster, the routes, this, this, that I feel like I feel like sometimes it seems so arbitrary to say we're going to flip-flop 4 and 5 in the lineup and 7 and 3 and it's like they don't really know, like there might be data that backs it up but sometimes it's just like why is this guy hitting where he is it almost was like a flip like a flip of a coin like we're just going to try it
1: well it, it's it's funny because especially with like like all the new advanced like analytics and the, like the new thought process going into it like i remember like in high school and in college it was considered revolutionary that tony la Russa would hit a pitcher eighth and then now you get the new baseball where they're like, oh, my God, Tony Lewis was an idiot. And no one would ever want the eighth place hitter keep appearing more often in a game than a ninth place hitter, regardless of whether or not he's a fast runner or right. something like that. Or he's good at bunting so that if somehow the pitcher does get on, he can be moved along or something like that. It's like, well, under that notion, then I guess everyone would want to have their pitchers be taking batting practice. Then, under that new concept, if you want your pitcher hitting eight, right.
0: yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny, but yeah. So, going into this offseason with the Cubs, though, uh, so I, it's it, so it's funny. So, um, I didn't ex- exactly expect Theo to leave, but I knew that that was probably going to be done after this upcoming season at the very latest. So, when he did leave, I was like, oh, wow, but I kind of heard something, and then. Yeah. uh you know like on the radio no, i have no sources or anything <laughs> and then and then um ceo called you personally right. said listen
1: i'm gonna do just like i did in boston leave while the getting is good so then shorber
0: <laughs> i was like kind of i was like oh wow again i was like oh okay wow but not super surprising like you said because there was there, there yeah. was still that inkling of like potentially they could just get them again later cheaper which didn't happen of course went to the net him going him and lester with the, the Nats now the Nats have all the former Cubs players it feels like and it's weird seeing pictures of Lester in a Nats uniform like I see it but then I'm like wow that's really weird to see like oh, my dad me, the only
1: thing to me the only thing weirder is seeing Corey Kluber oh, and, uh, do, and, doing doing the York. Yankee photo
0: and I'm like I saw him oh, pitching I saw him pitch in Houston a couple of years ago with the Indians uh 19 it was the year that he just broke his arm like a few weeks later or something and that yeah. was the year before Houston lost or the year they they lost to Washington in the series and then all this stuff came out but I still couldn't believe they lost that series. I couldn't either. I could not believe the Nats. I couldn't believe. I mean, yes, yeah, could, all the home games were losses. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, by by the time by the time
1: Kendrick got that pitch, as soon as Kendrick hit that pitch, righty hitting it on the outside edge to the corner, I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, as soon as that ball hit the bat, I'm like, there's no way that thing is leaving. That's got a hook foul. And then I'm like, holy crap, he hit a home run. My God, the Nats are probably going to win this stupid thing with the way they're going. <laughs>
0: The home team always lost, and the home team was cheating in Houston. They lost cheating. (laughs) That's what's incredible about that. Oh, and then Darvish. So before the Darvish trade was even a reality, before that was even being talked about, I already thought it made sense going back to October. I had um I used to write for Cubby's Cripper Fan Sided, So our editing yeah. our editor was Jacob Meisner. And I asked him, I was like, What do you think? Like this team needs to be retool. Do you trade a guy like Darvish while the while because he's a 34, 35 year old pitcher, he's had injuries in the past. Do you trade him while his stock's high? And I, of course, I thought they were going to get a big prospects back. Not what they got back, not nothing against them, but it's like,
1: who are these guys? Well, I mean, I mean, look at the caliber pitcher. He was the last, like, you know, with the way he's been going since he reworked it. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, after he got lit up and they figured out, you know, he figured out how to change his tail so that he wasn't tipping. It's like, You know, you hope that you'd get a lot more out of it.
0: Right. And so it was like, I mean, maybe one of those guys makes it, but that's just it. It's just, it's all a crapshoot anyway. I mean, you better hope. Right. And so they traded. uh, and that was right after they got snow the day before. And I was like, holy crap. So we were all like, oh, well, they're not going to get Dar- Darvish. isn't going to be traded there because they just got snow." Well, nope. San Diego is trying to win a whole thing right now. So anyway, uh, we were all like, what? And then the Lester saga was stupid because they were like, ah, uh, we don't want to bring him back for even if he wants to come back for nothing. And then by the time the talks were advancing in D.C., it was like, oh, yeah, we do want you back. But no, it's too late. You, you had your chance.
1: Yeah, because wasn't, wasn't that around the time that they were like, oh, we can't afford players because like nobody yeah. in the Central – I mean, because obviously, like, the Pirates aren't getting anybody. The Reds weren't really actively going after anything high market. And it's like, right. Jeez Louise. Someone's going to try here.
0: Yeah. But then, but this offseason ended up being, so it's still weird. They could still, they basically could, they could probably win or lose 85 games probably more so win 85 than lose 85 but who knows they could all just fall off because now your rotation i like hendrix a lot i've always thought of him as an ace now he is the ace if it wasn't darvish now it's hendrix but the like exact davies is kind of interesting slash who the hell knows Al-Zalai, i was a lie i feel i feel
1: as soon as i saw that i was like a question mark. Right. who knows what you're getting exactly out
0: of it? i mean i was a lie i was a lie is could be nice or he could be rough the rotation's definitely a question mark. The, the lineup could be good if these guys could get back to hitting, like we, were, we we've been waiting for five years. But. Yeah, but
1: then the sad thing is, like, they're eventually gonna have to run into the West because, I mean, you know, I mean, let's be realistic. The entire National League feels like it's going to run through San Diego, possibly LA, yeah. L.A. Obviously, because you know, I mean, let's be realistic. L.A. knows how they're doing. They're running their entire roster, thirty-five guys deep. You know, who knows? To be honest, because because it kind of brings up the question: What the hell to expect from the Mets? I mean, they made tons of great moves, but we've seen that happen. Who was it?
0: The rotation is basically Hendricks, Davies, potentially Alec Mills. Oh yeah, Arrieta's back. Alzalai, Trevor Williams. They have a bunch of prospect uh, projects. When you consider Trevor Williams from Pittsburgh, Tyson Miller. Arietta as a project, Alec Mills. It's like. I'm hoping I Arietta mean, should give him some depth, I though. Agree. I mean, I feel
1: yeah. like that's the whole purpose of that move. You know what I mean? Like, you get him depth. He's not going to be the number one guy, but God, they need someone else besides Hendrix, who I love. I mean, I've fallen in love with that guy, like, really since like the World Series run. I was like, this guy's got, like, good stuff, mostly because I just love the movement he has. It's like, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Maddox because he yeah. doesn't need to overpower oh, you. Yeah. He just has great placement that's exactly and like it. when guys make contact it's just garbage contact i love guys
0: like that the maddox hendrix comp i mean i know it's hard to say this guy but yeah exactly that's the comp
1: i mean it's unfair it's, again like i said earlier like it's unfair to do that but like it reminds me a little bit of that you know well, what you know mean? what
0: hendrix's uh nickname is right uh, is a doggy <laughs> it's the professor so <laughs> right there oh. it's the maddox hendrix so that I, for, I forget like you're not necessarily in tune with, or you're not always you know, probably talking about a lot of Chicago, but like the, the Maddox thing is a, is a very common kind I of, I mean, plot. I like that
1: because, I mean, cause I'll be honest, like, I mean, again, down here, it's, it's, it's always all about either Mets fans, bitching and moaning that the team's not doing, doing anything right, you know, up until this off season and or Yankee fans complain that they haven't won 17 million rings right now, which I'm like, Oh
0: God. Right. Exactly. So the, the Maddox Hendricks thing is very real. And then the professor nickname, the, the, the off speed stuff, so I know the Cubs are not going to be a World Series contender, most likely. Barely a playoff team, but it's kind of intriguing. It's kind of interesting. This has actually been their most involved offseason since like 18 because we're not used to them signing anybody anymore. They actually got, you know, Arietta. They got well, I mean, Christ,
1: they, they 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 developed so many of those guys. I mean, I thought like, I mean, I know like Hap had his problems, but I thought like, you know, eventually I'm like, Hap's gotta find his way in. I mean, he can't be destroying triple A pitching forever. You gotta give this guy an opportunity. And especially given like some of the other outfields they had, like I know some guys didn't necessarily look like they were permanent, like um, like Almora. But it's like you know these guys are good for the time. So like they did a good job developing guys within their system and bringing them up to succeed along their star players.
0: Oh, I was thinking about the Simpsons. Uh, what, what 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 episodes do you hate or not like? If you can remember, like I I remember the one where they had the all singing. I think it's kind of funny now, but I hated singing as a kid. So I hated oh. that singing episode where they were just it was just a hodgepodge of singing. I don't want to. I guess
1: I can say I don't necessarily hate it per se. Actually, there's two that really come to mind, and I think both of them are like the ones that Matt Groening hates the most. The what the two that always come to mind. Is the first one that crossover one with the critic, which is funny because I I kind of thought the critic was a pretty good show for what it was. Like,
0: was that the one where the guy's on like a documentary or is that something? Else? Oh, the critic, yeah, the, the one cr- with yeah, um, the one with um, uh, John
1: Lovitz as Jay Sherman, right, yeah. Which actually Judd Apatow wrote one of the episodes for that. Yeah, that was kind of a weird one. Like, it had some fun. I don't, I don't hate it because there are funny lines in. It. I mean, come on, man man getting hit, hit in foot hit and groin with football it's a hilarious one but it seems so weird that it was like peak we had the crossover crap you know because I' mean especially behind the scenes like the critic was not really doing so hot in terms of ratings especially since I think it with two different networks and then it became a web series at some point. and then because it was it really fucked up with the canon for the entire show and that's the thing that always bothers me about comedies. Is when you screw with established canon. Is when they decide when they wrote the script that principal Skinner, principal Skinner was Armin Tanzerian, and then because you had um, uh, was it? It was um, it was was it? Wasn't it Martin Sheen played the real Skinner?
0: Oh yeah, right. Right.
1: He like assumed his identity when he had to deliver the news that he was either lost or killed in Vietnam and then just assumed it. But it's like, it, it, it just, it just, it's one of those weird things that it doesn't really make any sense. Like, especially in a show like the Simpsons, that's so character based that you, you grow an, a, an attachment and identity for them. And it's like, you know, you feel like betrayed a little bit that, wait a minute, this character is a complete th- fabrication you know right Th- that one always bothered me because like why would you do that and especially since i was during your peak like that's the kind of crap you do when you're like running out of show ideas and then you have a completely new stable of guys in the writer's room and then they kind of just completely screwed up that kind of thing what
0: i liked what what it reminded me with the character thing was like when they had Poochie, and it was funny because what I love about the Simpsons is the subtlety of the jokes. <laughs> I love the subtle stuff, like like with Family Guy, it's just like legit outrageous they they literally show the scene of the referencing well to be honest oh, that's simpsons that's why oh.
1: I, I always hated it when i said i love the simpsons and people are like you must love family guy but i always like to say like no i actually like good comedy because i think family guy is the honestly the worst writing in the world
0: yeah like so when they had the poochie episode and lisa's legit saying like obviously or oftentimes when they start running out of ideas they start introducing new characters and then they have roy yeah. and at the time as a, as a kid i'm not picking up on it. Yeah. And I'm like who the f- who was, and then I realized later I'm like oh duh they're doing the exact thing that Lisa just talked about. Yeah. So I love when they would do random stuff like like the thing about the Simpsons was there wasn't really anything true. I mean there definitely were outrageous things, but like like the most outrageous thing would be like Mo walking into their living room all unannounced <laughs> all of a sudden. Like that's that's like the extent of it. It wasn't anything crazy. Uh, super outrageous to where it's like they couldn't even happen like roy all of a sudden just showing up and they're like okay who's roy but yeah oh and i love the sideshow bob some of those episodes for sure too like especially when they bring Nile or uh, side, uh you know what was brother. always nice about that like
1: like for a guy who pretty much spent his whole career doing one character kelsey Grammer really was just so great just like being such a pompous dick that like he was just so perfect with the sideshow Bob one, especially the uh, the sideshow Bob. Uh, I think it was the sideshow Bob Robertson when he runs for mayor.
0: It's funny in that ep- that specific episode where he runs for mayor. It's funny because uh, I love the attack ad. It was like
1: oh uh, the the attack ad to me is one of my favorite that I, my brothers
0: and I always constantly quote. It was funny because Quimby. It was like Quimby let this criminal out of office or out of out of jail now and he's yeah. like vote Sideshow Revolving Bob.
1: door prisons including people letting go people like Sideshow
0: <laughs> He let him out and then they're like vote for the guy that he let out.
1: My favorite my favorite is when he's calling in from jail to the fake Rush Limbaugh show. He said there's one of my favorite I would love to say in incarcerated for what? Attempted murder. Attempted murder. What? Do they give out a Nobel Prize for what? Attempted chemistry? <laughs>
0: I guess it was the same episode where they realized that all the dead people were voting and then, and oh, then yeah. in court, when they prove it, he's like, wait, go to jail for what? He's like, Oh yeah. All the crimes I did Oh yeah, for all the, crimes. Oh yeah, that's right. Duh. See that was,
1: that was one of those kind of characters. Like, like, like you don't want to go to the well too much. Like, cause obviously like, I know they definitely kept bringing it back, but at some point there's only so much you can kind of do with that show when you know you talk about like trying to reboot frasier i mean Frazier ran for 11 years do we really need to know what Frazier's up to at this point i mean you know there was hilarious
0: and the thing like you guys were saying before you and Ryan were saying that you know John Mahoney has died, and you know at this point, at this point,
1: which Ryan, which Ryan was right, because Ryan pointed out that so much of the dynamic, which is true, because you have Niles and you have Niles and Fraser who are just so pompous and kind of aloof to just you know being regular people. The whole Martin dynamic, you know, because let's be honest, I mean, Martin would have been a Depression era kid who would have, you know, came up during the, you know, during the great baby boomer, you know, during like the early baby boomer run. So it's like for him, he's so salt of the earth. And so every man, you know, which is why, you know, yeah. And you lose that. I mean, what are you going to do? Like you can't really have Freddie because Freddie from day one from the Frasers or from cheers was automatically just written as a character who was just the next generation of being those kind of entitled, like smarty, like smart alec. I mean, let's be honest. Like upper middle class people. I mean, it's hard to kind of feel sympathetic for that kind of character. At this point, it's been so long. If he, yeah. If there's like this, well, and that too. I mean, because first off, a let's be honest. At this point, if he's not on the radio, he wouldn't be. If anything, he would probably be TV. I mean, it would be a stretch, but he wouldn't. I wouldn't think that he would have a TV show like Dr. Phil because, you know, you had the whole episode where he took down that commercial job because he felt like as if it made him into more of a celebrity of a, a pitch. Yeah, a pitchman man rather than an actual doctor, which, you know, was one of those great things that kind of balanced him out with Niles because, I mean, Niles, whole thing, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I'll be honest, if I'm David Hyde Pierce, as much as it is an easy paycheck, I mean, do I really want to come back to a character I haven't played in like 10 years? I feel like as if I'd probably want to find another venture to do.
0: Yeah, no. And that's the other thing though. Like I remember in the finale when he's telling the story about everything and he think he's going to, Sh- to San Francisco and he's going to Chicago to get Charlotte, um, that his girlfriend at the time, the, the last it's like, if they were going to bring it back and there's there i've been hearing rumors about them bringing back some sort of spinoff and they were like or maybe i was thinking or they were saying that maybe it's like what happens with him and that girl but it's like that's been so far down you know so far removed at this point to be honest i don't even remember that happening right see that's that's, that's too far because i mean i
1: and i used to watch a lot of it because like my family had all the dvds i used to watch a lot of it and like once you get towards like season nine and ten so much of that story was focused on like really a B, a B arc, which was, you know, Daphne and Niles. And at some point, like, and again, it, it kind of comes to that idea of closure. Like we got that closure from the show.
0: Dude, this was like the best, one of the best, uh, I, I think every pod I've done has been awesome, but this is really like right up there. It's been great.
1: Again, thanks for asking. Glad to be here. Glad to help. Glad to be a conversation.
0: 000, Zero. 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 Zero.